Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the April 2023 edition of Socialism for All, and it's an audiobook and discussion of Declaration of the Editorial Board of Iskra, written in the name of the Editorial Board by Lenin from 1900. If you like this video, please click like and subscribe, and consider supporting on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialismforall. There's a link to Patreon in the video description. So this piece was written in September 1900, and it was published in 1900 by Iskra. That was the newspaper that Lenin helped to set up as a separate leaflet. It was published according to the text of that leaflet, 1900. The sources, Lenin Collected Works, Progress Publishers, 1964, Moscow, Volume 4, pages 351 to 356. HTML transcription and markup were done by R. Cymbala and D. Walters, and it's in the public domain at the Lenin Internet Archive within the Marxists Internet Archive, marxists.org, thanks as usual to MIA for hosting this and thousands of other free Marxist texts. This piece is also found in a collection called Marxism and Revisionism, put out by the November 8 Publishing House. That's actually where I stumbled across it, so thanks to them as well. Let's begin. In undertaking the publication of a political newspaper, Iskra, we consider it necessary to say a few words concerning the objects for which we are striving and the understanding we have of our tasks. We are passing through an extremely important period in the history of the Russian working class movement and Russian social democracy. Comment, that was generally what they called Marxism back then. The past few years have been marked by an astonishingly rapid spread of social democratic ideas among our intelligentsia, and meeting this trend in social ideas is an independent movement of the industrial proletariat, which is beginning to unite and struggle against its oppressors and to strive eagerly towards socialism. Study circles of workers and social democratic intellectuals are springing up everywhere. Local agitation leaflets are being widely distributed. The demand for social democratic literature is increasing and is far outstripping the supply. And intensified government persecution is powerless to restrain the movement. The prisons and places of exile are filled to overflowing. Hardly a month goes by without our hearing of socialists caught in dragnets in all parts of Russia, of the capture of underground couriers, of the confiscation of literature and printing presses. But the movement is growing it's spreading to ever wider regions. It's penetrating more and more deeply into the working class, and it's attracting public attention to an ever-increasing degree. The entire economic development of Russia and the history of social thought and of the revolutionary movement in Russia serve as a guarantee that the social democratic working class movement will grow and will, in the end, surmount all the obstacles that confront it. On the other hand, the principal feature of our movement, which has become particularly marked in recent times, is its state of disunity and its amateur character, if one may so express it. Local study circles spring up and function independently of one another and, what's particularly important, of circles that have functioned and still function in the same districts. Traditions are not established and continuity is not maintained. Local publications fully reflect this disunity and the lack of contact with what Russian social democracy has already achieved. Such a state of disunity is not in keeping with the demands posed by the movement in its present strength and breadth, and it creates, in our opinion, a critical moment in its development. The need for consolidation and for a definite form and organization is felt with irresistible force in the movement itself. Yet among social democrats active in the practical field, this need for a transition to a higher form of the movement is not everywhere realized. On the contrary, among wide circles, an ideological wavering is to be seen, an infatuation with the fashionable 
criticism of Marxism and with Bernsteinism, the spread of the views of the so-called economist trend and what is inseparably connected with it, an effort to keep the movement at its lower level, to push into the background the task of forming a revolutionary party that heads the struggle of the entire people. It is a fact that such an ideological wavering is to be observed among Russian social democrats. That narrow practicalism, detached from the theoretical clarification of the movement as a whole, threatens to divert the movement to a false path. No one who has direct knowledge of the state of affairs in the majority of organizations has any doubt whatever on that score. Moreover, literary productions exist which confirm this. It is sufficient to mention the credo, which has already called forth legitimate protest, the separate supplement to Robotia Missile from September 1899, which brought out so markedly the trend that permeates the whole of Robotia Missile, and finally the manifesto of the St. Petersburg Emancipation of the Working Class Group, also drawn up in the spirit of economism. So there's a footnote there. The self-emancipation of the working class group was a small circle of economists that came into being in St. Petersburg in the autumn of 1898 and existed for a few months only. The group issued a manifesto announcing its aims, printed in the magazine Nakanoon on the eve, published in London, its rules and several proclamations addressed to workers. Lenin criticized the views of this group in chapter two of his book, What is to be Done? So, that's the end of the footnote. I just want to add, what is economism? Well, in the Russian social democratic or Marxist movement at this time, basically, uh, so you had the first Russian revolution in 1905. This was about 1905 to 1907, major upheavals against czarism. And this was in some ways headed by the up-and-coming Russian bourgeoisie. Capitalism was relatively late to develop in Russia compared to Western Europe, for example. And so what was taking place in 1905 in Russia had already happened decades prior in other European countries. So again, big upheavals against Tsarism at that time, and then there was a period of reaction. And then in 1917, spurred on in part by World War I, there were the 1917 revolutions, the revolution against the Tsar in February, and then late in the year, the Socialist Revolution. But across this, you know, roughly 20-year period of the late 1890s to 1917, there were basically three revisionist movements that Lenin said, you know, they happened at different times, but they were basically just different reincarnations of the same revisionist impulse. So first was economism, then Menshevism, then liquidationism. So anyway, economism around this time, and again, which is skewered and you know just really nailed down and dissected in what is to be done, took the position that the working class, um, basically the most that could be expected of them was trade union consciousness. That is to say, an awareness that they could form labor unions and fight for better working conditions and other conditions um, related to their day-to-day -day lives but that they were not the vanguard and that that basically revolutionary role should be left to the liberal bourgeoisie and the liberal intelligentsia, etc. Lenin was very much opposed to this and wrote about it often. Anyway, let's get back to the main text. And completely untrue are the assertions of Robocia Diallo to the effect that the credo merely represents the opinions of individuals, that the trend represented by Robocia Missile expresses merely the confusion of mind, and the tactlessness of its editors, and not a special tendency in the progress of the Russian working class movement. Simultaneously with this, 
the works of authors whom the reading public has hitherto, with more or less reason, regarded as prominent representatives of, quote, legal Marxism, are increasingly revealing a change of views in a direction approximating that of bourgeois apologetics. As a result of all this, we have the confusion and anarchy which has enabled the ex-Marxist, or more precisely, the ex-socialist Bernstein, in recounting his successes to declare unchallenged in the press that the majority of social democrats active in Russia are his followers. We do not desire to exaggerate the gravity of the situation, but it would be immeasurably more harmful to close our eyes to it. For this reason, we heartily welcome the decision of the Emancipation of Labor Group to resume its literary activity and begin a systematic struggle against the attempts to distort and vulgarize social democracy. The following practical conclusion is to be drawn from the foregoing. We, Russian Social Democrats, must unite and direct all our efforts toward the formation of a strong party which must struggle under the single banner of revolutionary social democracy. This is precisely the task laid down by the Congress in 1898, at which the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party was formed, and which published its manifesto. We regard ourselves as members of this party. We agree entirely with the fundamental ideas contained in the manifesto, and attach extreme importance to it as a public declaration of its aims. Consequently, we, as members of the party, present the question of our immediate and direct tasks as follows. What plan of activity must we adopt to revive the party on the firmest possible basis? The reply usually made to this question is that it is necessary to elect anew a central party body and instruct it to resume the publication of the party organ. But, in the period of confusion through which we are now passing, such a simple method is hardly expedient. To establish and consolidate the party means to establish and consolidate unity among all Russian social democrats, and, for the reasons indicated above, such unity cannot be decreed. It cannot be brought about by a decision, say, of a meeting of representatives. It must be worked for. In the first place, it's necessary to work for solid ideological unity, which should eliminate discordance and confusion that, let us be frank, reign among Russian social democrats at the present time. This ideological unity must be consolidated by a party program. Secondly, we must work to achieve an organization especially for the purpose of establishing and maintaining contact among all the centers of the movement, of supplying complete and timely information about the movement, and of delivering our newspapers and periodicals regularly to all parts of Russia. Only when such an organization has been founded, only when a Russian socialist post has been established, will the party possess a sound foundation and become a real fact, and therefore a mighty political force. We intend to devote our efforts to the first half of this task, i.e., to creating a common literature, consistent in principle and capable of ideologically uniting revolutionary social democracy. Since we regard this as the pressing demand of the movement today, and a necessary preliminary measure towards the resumption of party activity. As we've said, the ideological unity of Russian social democrats has still to be created, and to this end it is, in our opinion, necessary to have an open and all-embracing discussion of the fundamental questions of principle and tactics raised by the present-day economists, Bernsteinians, and critics, comment, which is to say, critics of Marxism. Before we can unite, and in order that we may unite, we must first of all draw firm and definite lines of demarcation. Otherwise, our unity will be purely fictitious. It will conceal the prevailing confusion and hinder its radical elimination. 
It is understandable, therefore, that we do not intend to make our publication a mere storehouse of various views. On the contrary, we shall conduct it in the spirit of a strictly defined tendency. This tendency can be expressed by the word Marxism. There is hardly need to add that we stand for the consistent development of the ideas of Marx and Engels, and emphatically reject the equivocating, vague, and opportunist, quote, corrections of Marx, for which Edward Bernstein, P. Struve, and many others have set the fashion. But although we shall discuss all questions from our own definite point of view, we shall give space in our columns to polemics between comrades, open polemics conducted in full view of all Russian social democrats and class-conscious workers, are necessary and desirable in order to clarify the depth of existing differences, in order to afford discussion of disputed questions from all angles, in order to combat the extremes into which representatives, not only of various views, but even of various localities, or various specialties of the revolutionary movement, inevitably fall. Indeed, as noted above, we regard as one of the drawbacks of the present-day movement the absence of open polemics between avowedly differing views, the effort to conceal differences on fundamental questions. We shall not enumerate in detail all questions and points of subject matter included in the program of our publication, for this program derives automatically from the general conception of what a political newspaper, published under present conditions, should be. We will exert our efforts to bring every Russian comrade to regard our publication as their own, to which all groups would communicate every kind of information concerning the movement, in which they would relate their experiences, express their views, indicate their needs for political literature, and voice their opinions concerning social democratic additions. In a word, they would thereby share whatever contribution they make to the movement and whatever they draw from it. Only in this way will it be possible to establish a genuinely all-Russian social democratic organ. Only such a publication will be capable leading the movement on to the high road of political struggle. Extend the bounds and broaden the content of our propagandist, agitational, and organizational activity. These words of P.B. Axelrod must serve as a slogan defining the activities of Russian social democrats in the immediate future, and we adopt this slogan in the program of our publication. We appeal not only to socialists and class-conscious workers. We also call upon all who are oppressed by the present political system. We place the columns of our publications at their disposal in order that they may expose all the abominations of the Russian autocracy. Those who regard social democracy as an organization serving exclusively the spontaneous struggle of the proletariat, this would be economists, may be content with merely local agitation and working class literature, pure and simple. We do not understand social democracy in this way. We regard it as a revolutionary party, inseparably connected with the working class movement, and directed against absolutism. Only when organized in such a party will the proletariat, the most revolutionary class in Russia today, be in a position to fulfill the historical task that confronts it, to unite under its banner all the democratic elements in the country, and to crown the tenacious struggle in which so many generations have fallen with the final triumph over the hated regime. The size of the newspaper will range from one to two printed signatures. In view of the conditions under which the Russian underground press has to work, there will be no regular date of publication. We have been promised contributions by a number of prominent representatives of international social democracy. The close cooperation of the Emancipation of Labor Group, including G. V. Plekhanov, P. B. Axelrod, and V. I. Zasulik, and the support of several organizations of the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party, 
as well as of separate groups of Russian Social Democrats. That's the end of the audiobook. So we made most of our comments already. Uh, Lenin's writing is always just so clear. I love it. It always wakes me up every time I read it. I just want to add, if you're interested in the history of Iskra, the newspaper, the spark, Lenin did another uh, text from this year, I believe 1900, maybe it was 1901, called How the Spark Was Almost Extinguished. We have that up on the channel. It's a really interesting story. It's one of the only things of Lenin's that I've read, which is not, um, you know, sort of a political lecture article thing like that. It's almost reads more like creative writing. It is the story of the formation of Iskra and how it almost didn't come together, but then it did. I do recommend that one. Maybe I'll link it in the pinned comment. All right. Otherwise, what do you think? Leave a question or comment below. We'll continue the discussion there as always. Otherwise, thanks for listening and thanks to the current patrons whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to get your name on the screen, head to patreon.com slash socialism for all. You can sign up for as little as $2 a month or more, whatever you see fit. Every donation helps and is encouraging as well. I would make some kind of content, even if nobody supported, but all of the support allows me to spend a lot more time on this than I'd be able to do without that support. So I really appreciate it. We're able to do regular weekly live streams now, plus audiobooks. All of that takes time to record. It takes time to research and prepare. So all of that is time that I can't be engaged in wage work. And anyway, I just really appreciate the support. I've been getting questions about, is there a way to make a one-time donation? The answer is yes, Patreon. Patreon will bill you when you sign up and then again on the first of the month, whatever the next month is. So if you just let it bill you when you sign up, then you can cancel and it'll just be a one-time thing. Now, of course, recurring help helps me to plan this from month to month of, you know, what the level of support is from month to month. But yeah, if you really just can only do a one-time donation, you can do it uh, through Patreon that way. Otherwise, whether you're a patron or not, like, share, subscribe, all that engagement uh, helps to boost the channel, helps YouTube to recommend this content to more people. YouTube sees that engagement and says, oh, people like this, I should show it to more people. So if you want to spread the word, that's one easy way to do it. And of course, remember, you know, we're doing broad-based agitation and education here online, but the struggle really happens in the real world. So check out the About tab at the Socialism for All YouTube page. You may be listening to this on SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever, but on the YouTube page, we have some recommendations about how to get involved in the struggle near you. We also discuss that regularly in the live streams. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next video.